Hey guys, and welcome back to this series on the power of words. We're now in episode six, and we're going to be looking at when others slander you. And it can be very painful when other people are speaking negatively about you in a way that might damage your reputation, especially if the things that they're saying are not even true or if they've wrongly judged your heart. And it can be even more painful if those people are people that we really loved or respected or trusted, or perhaps if those people have great influence over others and we're concerned that our reputation is going to be badly damaged. There are also times when we're not sure what is being said about us or even who is saying it, but we notice that people have started to treat us differently and we haven't done anything wrong or there's nothing that's happened in that relationship to cause that. And that's when we think that perhaps somebody has been spreading false information about us. Now, I have personal experience of this and In this episode, I really want to help you to know how to handle that situation. And as we go on, I think this is going to become even more helpful and encouraging. So first of all, I just want to say that in episode four, I said something that might have sounded a little bit strange. I said that there are times when other people slandering us is okay. Well, what did I mean by that? Well, I didn't mean that it's not wrong for them to be spreading lies about us. Slander is always sin. But what I was referring to is when people slander us simply because of our association with Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus said about this. In Matthew 5, 11 to 12, he said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there are times when being slandered is a sign that you really are a true representative or messenger of God. And Jesus said we should rejoice and be glad when that happens because great is our reward in heaven. And in Luke 6, he says it like this. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But what about those times when it doesn't seem to simply be our association with Jesus that somebody has a problem with? What if the person who is slandering you is actually a fellow believer? You know, people can slander us for all kinds of different reasons. It could be because that they're jealous of you. It could be because they feel threatened by you. It could be because they've wrongly judged you. It could be because somebody else has given them false information about you and they've believed it. Or it could simply be their way of dealing with their own pain, rejection, fear or insecurity. You see, sometimes people think that by putting you down, they'll be able to further their own career, ministry, goals or reputation. Or somehow they'll be protecting themselves by speaking negatively about you. And one of the saddest things I see actually is Christians who make it their ministry to tear down the reputations of other Christians who they think are in error. 
And, and of course, there are times when it's necessary to correct errors. But I just want to say this. I don't believe that there is any God-ordained ministry on the earth that is built on gossip, slander, and accusation. Those are the works of the enemy. They're not the works of the children of God. And look at this in Proverbs 12, verse 3. I think this is going to really encourage you. It says, no one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. So no matter how much the slanderer looks like they are succeeding, the righteous person cannot be uprooted. But I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Slander is a trap. If you can continue to walk in righteousness by keeping your heart right, you cannot be uprooted. But if you allow slander to drag you into offence, anger, bad reactions, speaking negatively about others, actually you've fallen for the enemy's trap. But there is a way to handle slander so that you emerge totally unharmed by it. And actually, you can emerge stronger, wiser and more Christ-like than you were before you went through it. And you might be thinking to yourself, but David, it's so painful. It feels so unjust. I feel like my relationships and everything that I've worked for are just being destroyed in front of me. Believe me, I know how you feel. Being slandered can feel like you're going through a fire and it can feel like your life is going to be ruined and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But I really believe that God is going to change your perspective as you watch this episode and he's going to equip you for that situation. In the book of Daniel, we read that the king at the time, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, threw three men into a fire because they refused to worship a golden idol. Now, the fire was so hot that the soldiers that threw them into the fire were killed. Now, look at what it says in Daniel 3, 24 to 27. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Did you see that? The guys who threw them into the fire were badly burnt. But these guys did not even smell of smoke. There was no sign that they had ever been in the fire. Why? 
Well, it's all because of the fourth person who was in the fire with them, Jesus. And I want to say this, if you walk through the fire of slander alone, handling it in a natural human way, it will burn you. But if you walk through this fire with Jesus, you will cope with it very differently. And so in this episode, I want to talk about three things that I believe Jesus would be saying to us in the fire. And the first one is this. Forgive. You see, the enemy's purpose behind slander is to get you offended. If he can get you offended, then he can use your offence to hurt others. That's why the Bible tells us that we must not allow ourselves to become bitter. This is Hebrews 12, 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So you can avoid the trouble if you avoid allowing the bitter root to grow up. Because bitterness and offence are like poison. And if this poison gets into your heart, it will destroy you. And of course, whatever is in your heart will come out of your mouth. So I want you to remember this. Slander wants to make a slanderer out of you. I'm going to say that again. Slander wants to make a slanderer out of you. And the only way to stop this process is to forgive the person who is slandering you. Now, not all Christians are quick to do this. Many fall into the trap of offence. So I want you to ask yourself this question right now. How mature am I in Christ when it comes to handling offence? You see, I believe that there are four different stages of handling offence that we can be at. The first one is when you're offended and you stay offended. And when Jesus spoke of the last days, he said this, Matthew 24, 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. And this is when the state of your heart is exactly the opposite of what God wants it to be. Rather than forgiving, actually, you've allowed your heart to become hard. You've allowed bitterness in. There's even hatred in your heart towards other people. Perhaps there's a lot of offence and anger, and actually it's stealing your life, and it's making it difficult, if not impossible, for you to love others. It's probably also affecting your relationship with God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now because I believe that he wants to soften your heart and set you free from this state of offence. And, you know, freedom from offence starts simply by saying, God, I'm sorry. Please soften my heart right now. And the next stage of dealing with offence is when you're offended but then you forgive. So this is when somebody gets offended, but they eventually realise that they're offended and they choose to forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
So if Jesus is with you in the fire, he'll be saying to you right now, I know that you're hurting. I know that what they did to you is wrong and it's unjust. But I want to say to you that in the same way I forgave you, forgive. And of course, the aim in this stage is that we would become quick to forgive. After all, if we really believe that Jesus has forgiven us for everything that we've ever done wrong, who are we to hold back that type of forgiveness from others? The quicker we are to forgive, the quicker our hearts will be healed and the quicker we will be free. Now, if you're struggling with being quick to forgive, I want to encourage you to ask God to give you a revelation of his forgiveness of you. Because forgiveness is an overflow of a heart that knows that it's forgiven. When our heart is melted by the unconditional love and forgiveness of God, then we will be able to extend that same love and forgiveness to others. And if you need to stop this video just to take a few minutes to forgive some people, please do that before continuing. The third stage in handling offence, when we start to get more mature in Christ, is we get to the point where we are not easily offended. This is when our hearts have been transformed by God's love and it's much more difficult to offend or anger us. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 talks about love and it says it does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. So I want to ask you right now, are you easily angered? Are you easily offended? And if you are, and if you feel angry and offended right now, why not ask God to show you why this situation has upset you so much? Because it could be that this situation has triggered some pain that was already in you from a previous experience. And, and maybe the person that you really need to forgive is someone who did something to you a long time ago. And maybe God has let this happen because he wants to heal you from something deeper. He wants to heal you from a, an experience that you had uh, because he wants to make you into a person that is not easily angered. And he knows that because of this pain that's in your heart, you're easily triggered. It could be that you're easily triggered by rejection or negative opinions of others because of the way you were treated in the past. So I want to encourage you to seek him and forgive whoever you need to forgive and let him heal your heart so that you can become that person who's not easily angered or offended. And the fourth stage, and this is the stage that I really desire to be at as a believer, is when you are able to overlook an offence. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. Can you imagine how much trouble and heartache and frustration it would save you if you were able to overlook the offensive things that other people do to you? 
I believe that that's where God wants to take all of us. And perhaps he's using this situation to shape our hearts so that we might become those people who have the wisdom to overlook the offences of others. So the first thing I believe Jesus would be saying to you in the fire is forgive. And the second thing that I believe he will be saying to you is you don't need to defend yourself. You see, with slander, the first temptation is to try to defend yourself, to try to clear your name. And I want to say to you, do not fall into this temptation. Why not? Well, because vindication comes from the Lord. Vindication means the action of clearing someone of blame or suspicion. And if your heart is right and you are not guilty of the thing that you are being blamed or accused of, you can ask God to vindicate you. And this is exactly what David did in the Psalms. This is Psalm 17 verse 2. He said, hear me, Lord, my plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. And of course, God knows exactly what has happened. He knows that you didn't do or say the things that you're being accused of. And trying to vindicate or defend yourself can be exhausting. In fact, it's part of the trap. You see, it's the enemy's attempt to draw you away from the things that God is calling you to do and the things that God is calling you to focus on into a battle that you don't need to fight. And we must settle in our hearts that vindication comes from God and then we must choose to trust him. See, the person who is slandering you is not on God's side. So if you make sure that your heart is right, you can ask the Lord to deal with your enemies. David prayed prayers like this in Psalm 17, verse 13. He said, rise up, Lord, confront them, bring them down with your sword. Rescue me from the wicked. And David had such confidence that God, who knows everything, would eventually vindicate him. In verse 15, he said this, as for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. You see, David knew that God would vindicate him and he was able to keep his eyes fixed on God through all of his struggles and all the problems he had with his enemies. And I actually think that sometimes God allows us to be slandered just so that he can take our trust in him to a much deeper level. So if you've fallen into the trap of trying to defend yourself, and let's be honest, you probably haven't done a great job of it. My advice is this. Step aside and let God take up his position as your defender. And if you're unable to let go of control in this area of your life, it may be that your reputation has become a little bit of an idol to you. 
It may be that your fear of man is greater than your fear of God. You see, if your reputation is fully entrusted to God, you won't need to get busy trying to save it. You'll simply seek to honour him, knowing that all that really matters is what he thinks of you. And there is so much peace and freedom available to the person who lives like that. And I want to encourage you to take King David's advice in Psalm 37 verses 1 to 6. He says this, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. What a promise. You know, we can barely even look at the noonday sun. It's so bright. And God said, if you trust him like that, your vindication will be like the noonday sun. But are you walking like that? Are you trusting God and fully committing your way to him? See, one of the signs that we're not trusting God, that we're not secure in him, is that we try to bring as many people as we can onto our side. We try to convince people that we are innocent. And in so doing, we often end up speaking negatively about others. And what happens is that while we're trying to strengthen our position, we actually end up weakening it. And I want you to remember this. The strength of your position is not where you are in the opinions of men. It's where you are in the opinion of God. I'll say that again. The strength of your position is not where you are in the opinions of men. It's where you are in the opinion of God. Okay, so the third thing that I believe Jesus will be saying to us in the fire is this. Don't shrink back. You see, sometimes when we are attacked, we retreat. But just after Jesus tells us to rejoice when people speak badly of us, he says this, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So I want to say to you, don't love less, love more. Don't shrink back from the things that God has called you to do. Do them even more confidently. Don't hide your lamp. Let it shine even more brightly. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word. We want to thank you that vindication comes from you. We want to thank you that we don't need to defend ourselves because you are a great defender. And Father, we want to say sorry for anything that we've done wrong. We want to say sorry for when we've tried to defend ourselves or when we've tried to bring other people onto our side. And instead of strengthening our position, actually we've weakened our position. And Father, we want to choose right now to forgive those who have slandered us, who have spoken negatively about us, have tried to damage our reputation. We thank you that you have forgiven us. And out of the overflow of that forgiveness, we can forgive them. We just pray, Father, that you would provide your grace and strength and peace and wisdom as we go through the fire. And we thank you that You are in the fire with us and you will give us everything that we need to endure and to be victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you in episode seven.